This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, great to have you here with us. It is National Indigenous Peoples Day, and uh, it takes on a new meaning, I think, for a lot of people since the discovery of 215 children found buried in unmarked graves on the grounds of uh, Kamloops Residential School. And, of course, one of the immediate reactions was to remove statues associated with those who played a part in residential schools. Art Edgerton's Ryerson statue was torn down from the campus of Ryerson. And, of course, over the last couple of years, we've seen many Sir John A. Macdonald statues either defaced or removed, as both Prince Edward Island and Kingston's councils have now voted to do. But what happens after then? I mean, what have we learned? Because while the statue may be gone, the history is not. And Chris Sankey's an intergenerational survivor of residential schools, meaning many of his family members were part of this system. And of course, their abuse and degradation then was passed down to him. And he disagrees with tearing down of statues, pointing out that kind of might feel good in the moment, but it resolves nothing. And I thought it was interesting because you wrote a very personal letter to Sir John A. Macdonald laying out the pain that Canada's first prime minister caused to him and his people while pointing out all the other prime ministers right up until the 90s who could have stopped it and did nothing. And so his argument, don't tear the statues down, but show real action and free this country's Indigenous people from under the thumb of government. Chris Sankey is a prominent Indigenous business leader, a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute, and a former elected councillor for the Lax Kualamas Band. And I hope I got that right, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you wrote... It's called, it's Lakualams. Lakualams. Okay, my my apologies on that. Thank you for correcting me. Um, You know, you wrote in part, quote, I do not know you, John A. Macdonald. I owe you nothing. But I do know is this. Tearing down your statue is not going to solve our problems. It only perpetuates divisions. I'd rather see your statue stay so that my kids will know the history. I'd like to see more monuments erected of our Indigenous champions who fought for us and memorials to the Indigenous people who proved so resilient. That is how we build relationships. That is how we reconcile our differences. If we do not start working together, we will always point fingers at one another. And I thought that was very poignant. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, in anything that I do, I always um, I try to make sure that it's the relationship that comes first. You know, we may always have difference of opinion. We may not even like each other. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's really important that history is told properly. I, I think that the only way we could get past all this is that we deal with it head on and and be truthful about it. Look, it, what happened to us was wrong. And I, and I think Canadians now have woken up to the realization of just how devastating these schools were. But tearing down Johnny McDonald's statue is not going to solve the current problems that plague our communities today. It's not going to mm-hmm. solve the homelessness. It's not going to solve the addiction. It's not going to solve intergenerational trauma from physical violence, sexual abuse, mental abuse, uh, the state of so many uh, of our people. It, it is so complex that... Mm-hmm. Tearing down one man's set is not going to solve that. And we hear of news that 
to BC, churches were also burned down. And so there's obviously a lot of anger. But I think, um, and, and correct me where I'm wrong, I mean, Indigenous voices are not monolith. Uh, so where you may have disagreements, um, not everyone has the same opinion and the same experience in our Indigenous people. And so when you get some activist groups, they don't speak for all Indigenous people. No, and nor should they. They should never speak for Indigenous people, and, and it's wrong on so many levels. You know, for such a long time, our people have felt so disconnected from the very country they were born into. And you know, our, our ancestors walked this, this land for so many, many years, thousands of years. And then for these groups to come along to, to uh, connect themselves to a select few within our respected territories and claim that they speak for all of us, that is unequivocally wrong, and they should never be doing that. They talk about reconciliation. They talk about our, heredi- our hereditary system like as if they know it, and they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the complexities that come with that system. And it's only the said community that the territories they continue to occupy and cause division, it is only those communities are going to be able to solve their internal differences. It will not be the government. It will not be these NGOs. It will not be industry or any other First Nation outside of that territory where the dispute is risen. It's up to that the one community and the one community only. Before I talk about um, your, you know, your suggestion of, of the Indian Act and cancelling that, let me ask you about this, because, I mean, growing up, I took history. We learned a little bit about the Indigenous people, but certainly residential schools were not part of the curriculum. They still are not part of the curriculum. And I think there is a real curiosity. I think there is a real want to learn about um, what is not a very nice part of our history. In fact, it's very ugly, but I think it's important to learn. And I think there is a real um, openness to learning that. And so there's a teachable moment here. And what best way can we teach it then? I think you, you hit it right on the button. I think that it's extremely important that the Canadian education system start to implement the, the history of residential schools. It is only then uh, the Canadian system, Canadian populace will get to truly understand. It, it, it would be no different than the way they talked about John A. Macdonald. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest here. Like I, when I was going to school, I never really paid too much attention to who he was, or because, first of all, I, it, it never reson- it never resonated with me. Right. And it's human nature to resonate with something that you're connected to, and I was never connected to this individual or or him being the foundation that laid modern day Canada. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, my family never talked about residential school. And it wasn't until later in life where they started to talk a bit about it, but it was kind of nonchalant. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, the effects of residential school, which at the time I didn't know, came out adamantly. It just, it protruded what the schools taught. And I, I didn't know at the time, but as I got older, I started to realize this isn't right. Something's really wrong here. And I could only say that now as I speak to you, but at the time it was so debilitating, uh, the mental and physical and sexual violence and the, it's just so many things that came with it. And just the, the ability for a person to stand there without having to say anything or do anything. And just by, by, by the presence of anger, 
was intimidating. Uh, and you never knew that as a kid. You just thought that was normal. And it, there was nothing normal about it. Um, and, and to intimidate. And it wasn't until later on in life where I started to talk more about it after my parents had passed. I started to realize what they have must have gone through attending these schools. You know, my yeah, mother, it's... when she got sent, when she got sent to school, when she came back, um, her brothers, because she was so much younger, her brothers took her to camps, these camps, and hid her away from the school so she wouldn't have to go back. Mm. And so, I mean, the history there itself, uh, I, like I said, I, I always tell people I'm not the only person that's gone through this. There's thousands of us today that have had to endure so much of that burden and the teaching from these schools, not even realizing how devastating those teachings were, because to us, we thought it was normal. Mm-hmm. And then you, what happens is you, you raised a, a, a generation of, of kids that were so traumatized by, by the suffering that the anger and the pain that we've all had to endure that just carried on for so long. Yeah. And, and, and certainly if there's enough survivors that that survivors could easily go in and tell their stories, almost like Holocaust survivors teach the history to kids so that they have a firsthand account of what we must never um, repeat. Um, but to this day, as you write, you know, there's no accountability then, still no accountability. And you wouldn't tear down the statues, but you would get rid of the Indian Act, which, I mean, in 2021, the fact that it's still even named that shows you how wrongheaded we are. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you know, I, when I look back in history and I think about how we, you know, the term Indian, everyone knows this now. It's, I mean, Columbus thought he was in India mm. looking for spices, and that's a true factual story. And so that's how we became, the, that's how the term Indian became, and that's not who we are. So I, I think it's important for Canadians to really understand the true history behind these residential schools because it's still prevalent today as it was then. It's I mean, obviously things have changed, but I mean, make no mistake, I, these policies and rules and regulations were written and erected in the Indigenous Services Building. And some of those, which we called at the time Indian agents, walk, walk amongst us today. Yeah. And so, so when people make the comments about, well, that was so long ago, well, you know what, it wasn't that long ago, because I could still remember when these individuals would fly into the community. I still yeah. remember that. So it's not that long. I'm only 47 years old. And I tell you, it, it seems like it was just yesterday. And there were so many more, uh, so much more that had happened prior to that, that I was not even aware of and just how much damage was inflicted. Well, unfortunately, it's going to be longer uh, than this conversation to get the reconciliation and the healing. Uh, But I certainly very much appreciate you joining me, and I hope you'll come on with us again to continue the conversation, because there has to be a solution. I just think it's going to take real leadership, um, you know, um, to, to get this done. But I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Alex. Like I said, we're stronger together, and addressing the truth head on is the only way we're going to go forward. But Tearing down statues is not going to solve that and only causes more division. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I I think a lot of people would agree. Chris, thank you very much. Thank you. That's uh, Chris Sankey joining us here today, and I think he's right. You know, um, know, people will stop listening 
if if you only do the what they call slacktivism. People just don't listen to that. And I think people do really want to learn about this. So bring people together and they'll listen. Push them away and people won't learn. We'll continue talking about this, certainly. And we'll have Chris on again because uh, 10 minutes does not do any justice to this particular issue.